Welcome to the Secrets of High Demand Coaches podcast, where I interview some of the best coaches in the business to find their secrets and share them with the world. I'm Scott Ritzheimer, founder and CEO of Scale Architects, and we help founders and leaders find the right coach at the right time so they can achieve the predictable success they deserve. And a huge part of that is helping great coaches do great work that creates enormous demand for their services with way less effort. If you're a high demand coach, I'd absolutely love to share your story and expertise as well. So stick around to the end of the show and we'll reveal how you can be our next guest in 15 to 20 minutes. Let's go. Hello, everyone, and welcome, welcome to the Secrets of the High Demand Coach podcast. And I am here with yet another high demand coach, and that is Damian Andrews. He's the director and CEO of DamianAndrews.com. And as a corporate recovery specialist, he has excelled at bringing calm and order to highly stressed and distressed companies and businesses. Damian's distilled and refined these often overlooked but fundamental leadership, negotiation, and innovation principles that he uses to help his clients succeed. Damien, I'm so excited about this conversation. I'm so glad to have you here. So welcome to the show. And I, I was just wondering, could we start off, you know, tell us a little bit about what you were doing before you were doing coaching and consulting and, and ultimately, why'd you make the leap? Thanks, Scott. It's really a pleasure to be on the show and honor to be here um, and a great uh, pleasure to share with your listeners as well. But yeah, if we're going to jump in the Wayne back machine, those who remember the, the Doc Brown you know, DeLorean, you know, the 88 miles an hour and, and go back in time. Yeah, I, um, I was at school like most people. I didn't like school like most people. I wanted to leave. My dad said I wasn't allowed to leave unless I had a job. About two weeks later, the army recruitment people come around and said, beautiful, I'm out of here. I'm going to go and join the army. After a couple of weeks running around the bush. Australia has only one bush. We don't have a forest. We have a bush. <laughs> so a couple of weeks of running around the bush, I um, I realized that wasn't really what I wanted to do. And after your basic training, you, there's a, you get allocated different areas with different cores in there. And I was mature enough to recognize that I wasn't going to get one of the good jobs. And the people, and there was only a very limited amount of the good jobs and anyone else went to infantry. And I was looking at it and there was one job that no one was applying for. And I was 18 at the time. What's an 18-year-old man or boy? I was probably a boy were interested in um, women. And so I looked at it and the one job that no one was going for was that of a chef position. I'm thinking, women like guys that can cook. And that was my motivation. And my second motivation was to get me out of infantry. And then the distant third was I maybe could use that as a career. Anyway, I've joined and gone to the School of Cooks, um, learned to be a chef. They did a lot of a la carte cooking, that kind of stuff, because you have to cook for officers. You have to look after them. They have different needs. And, and then they asked, they asked the guy that was on the course with me, did he want to go to Perth? And he said, no, he'd just come from Perth. And I said, yeah, I'll go to Perth. No problem. And they said, well, if you pass the psychological exam, you can go. I went, yeah whatever. Didn't really think about where I was going. Went and did the test, passed it, drive across the, the Nullarbor. So I've driven from you know, you know, Melbourne in Australia to Western Australia to Perth, which is the equivalent of New York to, to um, California, to, to Los Angeles. And I get there and I'm posted to the SAS, the Special Forces, is where I ended up. So I'm there as a cook in the Special Forces, jumping out of airplanes and all that kind of thing. 
Um, so that was a lot of fun. But then I realized that's not where I wanted to be. I um, I left the army. I did some work up in the mines in Northwestern Australia for a bit, came back to Melbourne um, and realized my dad was probably a little bit more intelligent on this education thing and it's important. <laughs> So I went back to, you know, well, I went to university as a mature age student, studied accounting, law, commerce. Um, wouldn't recommend any of those for excitement, but I would recommend them for fundamentals. If you, if, whatever you're going to do in life, you need to understand the numbers. You need to understand the contracts that you're getting to because they're just an instruction manual. You wouldn't play a, a sports game without understanding the rules. Uh, and then from there, I worked in corporate recovery for a number of years. I, I wanted to work there. Uh, it was a good space. I kind of thought of myself as bit like Richard Gere. I was breaking up companies and splitting. I had more hair back then, you know. <laughs> I don't have much now, but I, I had a lot back then. Um, maybe I'm not as good at looking, but either way, that's how I thought about myself. And then we um and I started doing some work, um, opportunities came to do some work for myself, and it was a monetary decision. I could be an employee, get paid, or I could do the same kind of work that I was doing anyway and get paid three, four times the amount. Um, so I made that decision. And then so I, I went out and started doing assisting companies, mostly larger companies, nationals, international companies, helping them solve disputes, improve efficiencies, that kind of thing. And then because I think when I was growing up, I had some really good values instilled on me from my parents about giving back, helping others. That's what started to come. Although it was a monetary decision to go out, it was really it underlying. It was really about helping people. And I would be, you know, I'd be on a big construction site, for example, and I'd be talking to the people on the site about, you know, life things. And I had one guy come up to me after I'd had a bit of a chat with people and, and he was almost crying, big, big guy tattoos, that kind of thing. He was almost crying. Um, and he, you know, he told me him his wife were having problems with marriage, and I gave him a little bit of advice. We had a bit of a chat about it, and I bumped into him about two months later, and he, and he said they were like, you know, they're like teenagers, like rabbits, always sneaking off, sending the kids somewhere so they could go and have some fun together. Um, and that's what it really became about for me. And and um and now I've you know because I where I work is with large corporates who have big budgets, they have a lot of money, um, and they can afford the the type of IP that I've developed. I've de- developed some really good IP to make life easy. Um, whether it's money, relationships, all those kind of things, um, and 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 it's instilled within the big companies. But again, it's at a cost. So because I really want to give back and really want to help other people, um, I've adapted that IP to be um, more affordable. And we've actually got a release coming. I'm not sure when this is going to go live, but um, in April, there's an update to the website coming where we'll have those technologies available to people um, at a more affordable price and than what um, big corporates are willing to pay. Fantastic. Excellent. Excellent. So uh, you, you go from being a, a, a chef to being a special uh, forces operative to uh, working, going back to school, working in big corporate. And, uh, and now you've landed on your feet. You've been doing this for a while. Uh, what would mm. you say is some of the most important work that you do for your clients today? Yeah, that, that's a great question. And thanks for asking that, Scott, because it really is when you look at what's really important, for me, it's always been about um, helping others. I remember after I left the army in, in Perth, I, w- I didn't have a job uh, and I was just fluffing around. I had $20 note in my pocket. I had no money in my bank account and no job. And I was walking through the Perth Mall and an Aboriginal man came up to me and asked me, did I had have any change? And I honestly, I didn't. All I had was this $20 note and I thought about it. I pulled, pulled it out of my pocket and I handed it to him. That was my last $20. 
and um, he looked, he turned it over a few times. I think he's checking to see whether it was real. <laughs> but then his eyes lit up and he started dancing and he's dancing around in front of me. And he, he went out, he jumped up on top of a bin and was dancing on this bin and went around. And I think it was his girlfriend or wife who was dancing in front of her, showing him uh, this note. And I just stood there watching that for uh, forever or felt like forever. And I just felt amazing um, doing that. It didn't, didn't even occur to me while I'm watching this that that was my last $20. Um, and the ne- ironically, the next day I got a phone call in the morning about a job and I, I, I went to the interview and I'm not sure it was because I, I felt good about me, but I, I, perfor- I know I performed well in the interview and I got the job straight away and they needed someone to start straight away. So that kind of took care of itself. So when I look at what's really important for me, it's always been about helping others. And, and that's what we, as you're recording this, this weekend, we've got a program, um, well, it's not my program. There's a, a lady who runs a program called Financial Superwomen, which helps women victims of family violence recover financially. It teaches them financial knowledge. And that operates in in Brisbane and the Gold Coast in Australia. And I'm actually bringing it down here. So I've spent my own money um, to bring this down here to start this up in Victoria as well. And we've got that workshop running this this weekend. So um, that's what I, I like to do is, is encourage people. Because for me, um, I have another friend uh, that I've met. He's in Texas. And he used to be a, a heavy drug user, and now he's reformed from that, and, and he spends a lot of time helping people. He says, the high I get from helping other people doesn't compare to the high that I had doing drugs. And and that's, to me, is what's really important and wow. is encouraging people to go, hey, it's you know, think beyond yourself. Helping other people is actually in your own interest because it makes you feel great. Yeah. Yeah, that's fantastic. So uh, shifting kind of to the corporate front, um, and uh, let's start with some of the larger organizations that you're working with. Um, and then just, we'll, we'll, uh, you know, it's timely, we'll talk about how you're adapting this down to, to smaller organizations. But uh, tell me a little bit about how you go in and help these large organizations. What are they trying to accomplish? Uh, what And what's getting in the way? Yeah, good point. I think a lot of times what they're trying to accomplish when I get involved is there's some sort of dispute because for some reason I I seem to be good at resolving disputes. I ended up being the mediator between um, one of the biggest organizations, the union organizations in Australia and one of the the biggest corporates by accident. Um, I walked into the meeting and they had the union on one side all sit down the table and the and the um the corporates all on the other side. I was actually with the corporates. I was just helping out and I wasn't even meant to be at that meeting. And they just said I'll come along for a look. And there was no seats left except the one at the head of the table. So I sat there and they're all just looking at staring at each other. And I so I turned to Mr. Union and I said, um, you know, to the, the bots of union and I said, look, can my understanding of your problem is this. And then we went backwards and forwards. And over two days, we actually resolved the situation, which was interesting because the head of the corporate turned to me afterwards and said, I'm glad you were there um, because if you weren't, um, I was going to tell them to F off. And um, so we resolved it and everyone, we, we worked out a good deal for everybody. Um, so it's, it's, I think the egos get in the way a little bit. A lot of the times things can be solved quite simply and, and, and for me, and that's the technologies that I've learned, that life is actually very easy. Life is very simple. There's, there's a set of principles. If we follow those principles, life is, is straightforward. Um, an example is, and people say, oh, that's not true. Well, the principles are true whether you believe them or not. Um, if you go up to the 22nd floor of a, a building, go out in the balcony and then step off, it doesn't matter if you don't believe in gravity. You will go down. 
And this is the same in life. Um, there's a number of, of principles. And if you follow those principles, things are pretty simple. But a lot of times we, we ignore them, step off and make our life more difficult. And mm-hmm. it's getting people past that to realize, hey, just, just step back, take a breath, have a think about this and do something sensible. I had a big corporate, um, big dispute. I had a plan laid out. It was going to take some time to resolve this dispute. It's $25 million dispute. And um, he had a plan and I explained it to the people and I showed this is what happens. This, If a mediation fails, it was very simple. It was in the contract. Mediation fails, next step is court. And we all know how expensive court can get. And I, so I said, here's a plan. We, we take control of this. We take control of the mediation. We work through it. There's issues that, that need to work through. It can't be done in a short period of time. It's going to take 12 to 18 months. Let's do that. Um, and then big law firm comes in and says, no, 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 let's do a one-day mediation. I said, see that line there? And and they, they've gone, yeah, yeah, we see it. We see it. And, and so they've just followed big law firm, um, had the one-day mediation. It failed. Next step is court. Well, this, this happened nearly three years ago, they're still in court. It hasn't resolved and it has spent, my client has spent over $12 million in legal fees alone. They still have to pay it. They will have to pay the other side. That's a regardless. It's, And this is what I, that the challenge that I face is getting people to, to actually stop and think, hey, I'm actually the one causing this. I just need to step back, follow some simple principles, and my life will be easy. Yeah, it's it's a fascinating thing because it's one of those areas of business and life in general that you know, no one starts a business to get really good at disputing things. <laughs> you know, like no one's like so got marriage. You don't go into marriage looking to get divorced, do you? Know, survive three lawsuits. You know, like that's not on anyone's strategic agenda until they're already in it. They're already doing it, and as you know, that's oftentimes you're not too late because you know someone like you can come in and, and build bridges where they've been burned. But uh, what is it that, you know, let's take a a business owner, they're leading a small business, you know, maybe less than 50 employees and, you know, they're running and gunning. They don't have time for, you know, reading every word of every contract. You know, they don't have time for, you know, employee handbooks and agreements and this and that and all the other. What would be kind of the best piece of advice you could give someone like that in that mode? When you're in that space, that can be a little bit difficult because you, you're in that space. You've got 50 employees and you've got to manage that. Um, and to put that in context as well, a lot of people that go into business, whether it's your, your, your one-person bands or you know looking for something bigger, I would say the majority of them that I know of go in it for one of the key reasons they go in there is for freedom. Mm. Um, and how often does that happen? Usually because you know, there's a lot there. And I talk about that. My son's um, karate sensei is, is a friend of mine. He's a seventh Dan black belt. And we talked about it, um, about things being hard or easy. And I said, well, you're a seventh Dan black belt. If I asked you to do grading at a, the, at a yellow belt level, which is the first level in karate, how hard would that be for you? And he goes, well, it'd be really easy. And I said, hard or easy is not relative to your, to, to what the, sorry, hard and easy is relative to the tar, to your level of skill to doing the task. And so that's what we look at from that perspective. A lot of times when a person, if you're in that space where you've got, um, business of 50, I'd be looking at, okay, what are the key systems? Because a lot of times we try and solve every problem and that's just not going to happen. Another, uh, uh, an associate of mine, I'll say associate, we're not 
good friends but know each other quite well. He has a very large business turning over $100 million or it was about 120. It was turning over 80 and he got really, really sick because he was driving really hard, pushing really hard, um, and he got really sick. He couldn't, literally could not go in the office. He had he was away from the, from the business um, for eight months, eight or nine months, um, where he was literally bedridden. Um, but he was getting reports and and things like that. And what he actually found when he got out of the business and couldn't go there, but he was giving guidance. This is the objectives I want. But and letting the people do their work, do the things that they like doing. Um, the business went from $80 million to $100 million in the time that he was sick in those eight mil- eight, eight to nine months. That's a wow. big increase because wow. he got out of the way and allowed people to do the, the important things that because he'd hired really, really, really good people. Now his diff- philosophy is different. He, he's um he last time I spoke with him, he had just spent three months riding his motorbike around Mongolia, just getting reports and updates. And the business has gone from you know up to $120 million now. Wow. And he says, you know, when I'm in the when I'm go to the office, I literally go there, put my feet up on the desk for an hour, walk around, chat to a few people, and then leave. I said, I just get out of their way. And I have another friend. Um, he's He has a smaller business. It's turning over a little bit over $3 million. Um, he has three employees. Um, and he spends he spends about two days a week in the business because it's, it's a little bit smaller and he enjoys doing that. Um, and then he's off playing golf the rest of the time. Um, and he's making enough money out of that business to live the lifestyle that he wants. I mean, he's got his house paid off and all that kind of stuff. So and I think he, from last time he told me, somewhere between two hundred and fifty and 300000 he makes. That's his gives him a, you know, a lifestyle that he really enjoys. So it depends on really what you want to achieve. I mean, everyone is different. We want different things. But again, if you come back and focus on, and that's one of the things I do, certainly with my continuous improvement program, um, within exceptional effort, there's a com- continuous prove- improvement module. And we bring people and we bring the employees in and say, okay, what are your biggest problems? Tell us your top two. We go through, we sort them out and go, what's the priority? Let's focus on that because you can't focus on everything. Mm. And the byproduct of that, I didn't realize when I was doing this, um, there's a whole raft of things that we do along that continuous improvement program. But the byproduct of that, um, ironically, was that people stopped complaining because the staff, they they felt that they were being heard. They were getting FaceTime. These are the important, three important things from, from um for your staff is they need FaceTime, whether it's whether it is in person or you just speak to them on the phone or whatever, that they, they need that connection or some way of of getting their voice out, mm-hmm. which links to they need to be heard, which is the other point. And they want to learn. Um, most people fit that category. If you give them that, they will perform really well. So as a business owner, we're having that stress, focus on what are your key problems and get them from your staff. A lot of the times the staff are in there doing the work. They know where their problems are. You just need to get it out of them. All of a sudden you solve a couple of those problems. You give them the freedom to do what they love to do, which is, you know, they, they want, people want to give back. They want to help. They feel good about it. It produces dopamine in your body when you do that. It's just a chemical reaction. It will happen. That's one of those principles. Um, and if you focus on that, all of a sudden this busy you were talking about suddenly becomes a lot simpler and then you can yeah. go off and play golf or whatever it is that you, you do to stress yourself out because I think golf's a stressful sport. <laughs> I used to play golf. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my goodness. That's hilarious. Uh, all right. So uh, I'd love to ask this question. I ask it from um, of all my guests, uh, and it, it is this. What's that? What's the biggest secret that you wish wasn't a secret at all? What's that one thing that you wish everybody listening today knew? 
Yeah, the one thing that I learned, that's a great question, um, Scott. It really is because I learned this very late in life and I'm and I'm older than I look. I'm actually 50. So I'm, I'm I but I say I'm only a third of the way through my life. You know, I think with modern medicine and, and the way things are improving, I'm gonna make 150. Well, that's my goal. Uh literally it is my goal. And um but the one thing I learned very late in life was um, no amount of skill fixes a poor partner choice. Mm. And that applies in personal, in business. Um, and and I think because I was always taught to try and make things work, try and sort things out, but you're better off focusing on people that you align with. It's okay for people to have differences of opinion. That's a, that's that's part of how we grow. We learn from differences of opinion and, and we want that. But if you're aligning yourself with people, if you're in a relationship you know, and, and you're starting to date someone and there's a little bit of, and you've got differences of opinion like that are really you know grating, that's not going to get better. The best you ever know someone is or the best a person is ever is is when you first meet them. After that, it goes downhill. You learn that you know they fart and do all these other things. It's like you know, just like everybody else. Um, and it's the same in business as well. So I've what I've learned is there's people, we're just going to have different opinion, different philosophies, and that's okay. But I, if by aligning myself with people that actually align with me, my life becomes a lot more harmonious. There's less chance of dispute. We're going to be able to resolve things. And it's not that the other, when I say no amount of skill fixes a poor partner choice, that's self. You're mm. choosing to be with someone that's that's too dissimilar from what it takes for you to have a harmonious relationship. So if you can if you can do that in your life, it really transforms that. So from my perspective, my life is really um, quite amazing now because I'm I'm just very careful about you know if someone's got you know I know that there's potentially going to be conflict there. It's like you know I appreciate your opinion, but I'm going in this direction. Mm. That's so good. That's so good. Uh, it's it's fascinating because it is one of those things it's all you know roses and sunshine at the beginning yeah oh, you know i know a guy you know yeah. and uh and we get into this stuff and i mean just tying all of this together you know uh, those people that you partner with the the deeper the partnership the the greater the chances of a dispute on the back end of that right if you're not careful and making sure you're aligned on the front end so fantastic fantastic advice uh i'd like to do one more thing and then we'll find out how folks can get in touch with you uh hear more about what you do and um and contact you so before we get there uh what would you say, take off your uh, your coach consultant hat, right? Put yeah. on your CEO hat with the, the yeah. rest of us, jump into the ring and talk <laughs> to us a little bit about what what the, what's the next stage of growth look like for you and your business and what challenges do you think you'll have to overcome to get there? Yeah, thank you for asking that. I really appreciate that, Scott. And I actually have a number of CEO hats. A couple of weeks ago, I was appointed CEO of a radio station. So that's one of the things that I, I do in my my time. As I say, if you want something done, ask a busy person. Yes. And um, <laughs> I've taken on another CEO role, not just you know, so I'm um, CEO of another organization as well. But what does it look like in the future? Yeah, that's. I mean, I there's so many exciting things that I've got coming up, and so we've got uh, a launch of. The, the technologies, the IP that we've developed to help make people's life easy um, because it should be easy and it is easy if you just follow these simple things and also create the habit. And that's what my focus has been on about going in the future is making, creating the habits of doing well because most of what we do, we do operate from habits and that's the, the struggle that we have is overcoming these habits um, in the past and we just need to break that. So my future is, is really focused on um, overcoming that. And this year, actually, I um, 
I made a, only one resolution. I didn't, when New Year's came, I didn't have any because I'd already had my goals and intentions all set out. It was clear. I knew my mission statement. I have a personal mission statement. I knew all that. I'm going, well, what am I going to say? And, and, and I felt pretty good about how I was developing myself as well. And then through a conversation, someone said, we talked about listening and I went, ah, that's where it all. So I've really made my, this and my future about really listening, not just to verbally what they're saying, but all to the little cues, those kind of things. So it's it's about listening, connecting with people. And, and I've got a number of things I'm working on, as I mentioned about the family violence um, area space that I'm working in. There's a project then got coming up called Being a Man, or Be a Man, sorry. And it's about, you know, because it appears from which men have lost their way. What what does it mean to be a man? And, and the foundation that I have, share.care, S-H-A-I-R.care, which is also the web address, um, we've rewritten um, and reintroduced the Knights Code, not not a, as a male thing, but as a gender neutral. This is what the modern Knights Code looks. This is a higher set of principles that we hold ourselves to. So just because a contract says you could, or just because something says you could, or just because some some gorgeous woman comes up and says, "Hey, babe, let's go over here," doesn't mean you do that. Um, it's what are the higher set of principles I'm going to hold myself to. So part of that mission is sharing that out. And another thing I'm working with um, a, a wonderful one called Hudia Mossad. Um, she's Afghani um, and a, a, one of the leading um, humanitarian rights activists. We're working on, on on helping develop that region as well, the Afghan region, because there's such deep culture there. Mm. So part of what I my future is about helping share that, hey, I've traveled to 44 countries in the world. And mm. what I've learned is that wherever you go, a smile is a smile. People want to enjoy their life. They want great things for their kids. They want to hang out with their friends and have fun. Everyone wants to do that universally on the globe. And when we actually put that aside, one of my business partners is from Iran. Um, him and his wife, they're, they're Iranian. And, you know, if I was to focus on what I was taught as a kid, that Iranians are terrorists and blow up planes, you know, we wouldn't have this relationship. But yeah. I look at it and go, look, we, we both love, value, family, those kind of things. And then I'm learning so much about the Persian culture. But from learning from that, it actually makes me stronger. It makes gives me raw, me more resources to draw from it. So that's that's what my future looks like is sharing that with the world. That hey, let's look at what we've got foundationally. We're the same. So and how can we learn from each other's strengths to make ourselves stronger as well and and work more harmoniously together. So good, so good. All right. So I know some folks are listening to this, and you know, hopefully they're not you know in the midst of a dispute, but they're like, I don't <laughs> want to be in the midst of a dispute. I I need Damien's help. Uh, how can folks find out more about you and what you do? Well, fundamentally, I mean, if we follow what I do at a core, you avoid disputes to start with. So that that's you know, even if you're not in a dispute, um, following the principles and and what we teach, it really helps. Um, have this easy, harmonious life with people around you. Um, but to reach me, you you Google Damien Andrews or so put it into any search engine. I'm, I'm all over the front page. I think last time I looked, every time I've looked recently, I've been all over the front page, every link. Um, and um, I haven't looked beyond that. I'm sure I'm on the second page too. If you if you want to, whoever goes to the second page of Google. <laughs> anyway, um, so either that or DamienAndrews.com or you can check out my um, the my foundation's podcast, the share.care, S-H-A-I-R.care, which means strong, healthy and inspiring relationships. The share.care 
Camp podcast. Um, there's a lot of really, really wonderful people I have on guests, have some wonderful interviews where just get some really deep. They get, they, it's funny how people come back and like yourself, you, know, you open up in me things that I haven't you know shared with other people. And, and it's the same with, with my podcast. People really open up. It's mm. a great forum for those discussions. So yeah, search Damien Andrews. Go to damianandrews.com or check out um, share.care, um, the share.care website, which has a whole bunch of resources, resources on it. Well, remarkable, both in the business sense and just what you're doing for your community around you and, and you know the world in general. Damien, thank you so much. Thank you for being here on the show. And to everyone listening, uh, it was just our pleasure to have you. I hope that this was as exciting and fulfilling and helpful for you as it was for me. And I cannot wait to see you next time. Take care. Scott Ritzheimer here. Thank you so much for listening to the Secrets of High Demand Coaches podcast. If you are a successful coach, consultant, or advisor who's built a strong book of business and would like to be on the program, please visit go.scalearchitects.com. And if you got something out of this interview, would you share this episode on social media and just do a quick screenshot with your phone and text it to a friend or post it on the socials? If you know someone who'd be a great guest, you can tag them on social media to let them know about the show. And make sure you include the hashtag high demand coaching. I love seeing your posts. I love seeing your guest suggestions. Thank you so much. We are regularly putting out new episodes and content to make sure you don't miss any of those episodes. Go ahead and subscribe now. Your thumbs up, your ratings, your reviews, they go a long way to help us promote the show and they mean a lot to me and my team. If you want to know more, you can go to our website, www.scalearchitects.com, or you can follow me or the company on LinkedIn, Facebook, or Instagram. Thank you so much for listening. We'll see you next time.